Hello and welcome to today's episode of the podcast. My name is Isaac Beecroft and I will be your host. I'm coming to you live from over 10,500 kilometres away in Auckland, New Zealand. Now I have to admit, I'm extremely excited to get cracking in today's episode. This is because we are covering an extremely important issue in contemporary New Zealand. Now this issue is how the indigenous people of New Zealand, called the Māori, coped during COVID-19 and also an extremely important piece of legislation that is affecting them significantly in today's society. This piece of legislation is called the Treaty of Waitangi. Now before we get into the backbone of the treaty, I think it would be great to have a little bit of background information. The Māori people settled in New Zealand between 1320 and 1350, but were then the victim of a colonisation in 1640. The Māori people currently make up over just over 16.5% of New Zealand's population. Now, this extremely important piece of legislation, called the Treaty of Waitangi, was signed between the British Crown and some important Māori chiefs all the way back in 1840. Now, this piece of legislation is important because it is still the backbone of the decision-making process between the government and the Māori people. Now, the reason why today's episode excites me so much is because I believe that throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, the Māori have shown significant responsibility and sensible decision-making to prove to the government that there should be some significant amendments to this Treaty of Waitangi that was signed all the way back in 1840. In the next 8-10 to minutes, we will be looking in-depth at the Treaty of Waitangi and what it was designed to do all the way back in 1840. Now, it is no secret that since the signing of this treaty, they have been victim to significant institutional racism. This has affected them significantly in pandemics before, like the influenza pandemic, and was actually looking like it was going to be hitting the same way in COVID-19. As Professor Christine Ellis highlights, the most challenging barriers are embedded in the lived realities experienced by many Māori who endure extensive oppressions and reflect debilitating outcomes for income, deprivation, family welfare, history, unemployment and education. These realities are embedded in the historical and contemporary contexts of New Zealand and have inflicted Māori since the onset of colonisation. Now, although the so-called intentions of the Treaty of Waitangi were to protect Māori and ensure that their communities would thrive within New Zealand, my research has found that this has not been the case. The treaty was actually set out and designed to provide a specific piece of legislation that would ensure that there were at least two Māori board members on the New Zealand District Health Board at all times. But this has only happened once back in 2001, and at no time since the founding of this health board have Māori had an accurate representation. A further breach of a principle designed to ensure active care of Māori was the disestablishment of another piece of legislature that was actually created because of the Treaty of Waitangi. This was the Māori Health Directorate, or 
Te Kiti Haora that looks at the government's obligations to protect Māori health outcomes. Now, Gabriel Baker states that the lack of Māori staff in senior levels of the health sector and the 2016 disestablishment of Te Kiti Haora, the former Māori health director, is also found to be a clear breach of the Treaty of Equity and Active Protection. Now, these two bits of information are really, really disappointing and show that things need to change to ensure that Māori find themselves at the top of the dis- at the top of the decision making process. But before I lose you, I want to make it clear that I'm not a completely oblivious to the historical meaning of a treaty. Yes, I am aware that a treaty is a very important piece of legislation that should not be touched, and that also throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, there have been glimpses of the New Zealand government putting Māori at the front of their minds. Māori communities actually made their own self-made barriers to ensure that their tight-knit communities were not infected by COVID-19 very quickly. Many actually predicted that these barriers would be instantly shut down, but the actions of the police commissioner, Andrew Costa, reflected treaty principles and allowed these self-made barriers to stand up. Claire Charteris actually stated in her article in the newsroom that it has been heartening to see the police and iwi working together on the East Coast for the first time. But personally, the actions of the commissioner aren't enough to sort out the injustice at the top of the food chain. There needs to be some significant adjustments within the legal documentation to ensure that we aren't just relying on the actions of our police commissioner to ensure a happy outcome for Māori communities. I'd like to just emphasise a few awesome stats that the Māori communities have shown throughout COVID-19 to show that they actually do have the brain power to be at the top of these decision-making processes. With the severe lack of Māori personnel at the top of our decision-making processes and a government that is clearly disregarding any principles that they signed to back in 1840, it was clear that Māori was going to need to stand up by themselves and show the government that they could fight COVID-19 alone. This is exactly what happened with Māori only recording 8% of COVID-19 cases in New Zealand, although they make up over 16.5% of New Zealand's population. It was also going to take huge acts of generosity from local iwi, which is what occurred. A local tribe called Te Putiahanga distributed 1,371 grants for home heating, 1,104 data supports, over 600 devices to enable digital connectivity and education throughout the pandemic, and 25,000 hygiene packs. All of these stats have come from Meeking and Savage's article called Māori Responses to COVID-19. Over the past seven and a half minutes, I really hope that I've gotten the message across to you that the current government and the Treaty of Waitangi is really letting the Māori communities down. I personally believe they have showed incredible toughness throughout a global pandemic and shown to everyone that they are able to cope in very difficult circumstances with no thanks to the help of the government. For years, Māori have been victim 
to institutional racism. Changes in this treaty could be a huge moldy, it could be a huge milestone for the government and show the Maori community that they are wanting to make a far greater effort to abide by treaty obligations. I personally don't see a better way to put it than how Elizabeth Stanley and Trevor Bradley did in their article, which states, if the government's agenda to transform the justice system in decolonizing ways is to be made real, Māori must enjoy opportunities to develop and lead on culturally appropriate and independent measures to respond to harms in communities. I personally don't believe any change is going to happen until we are constantly seeing the likes of Māori people on our news calling big shots and showing the, the country that they are more than capable of being up there. The government have been talking the talk for years, but this would well and truly be walking the walk by amending the Treaty of Waitangi.